just uh, try to reiterate the, the human or humane ability to love. And this is, I mean, when we, when we <coughs> don't love, then we are <coughs> bestial and <coughs> selfish. So that love isn't something that is that this community would be an impossible place to live if there is no love in it. If we didn't really love each other, <coughs> and then also that love is is it can be very sentimental. Uh, we can put sentimental additions to it, all kinds of attachments. We want you. I want you to tell me how much you love me, or I want you to have demonstrations of it, prove it, say it all the time, talk about it all the time, uh, make me feel, you know, keep telling me you love me all the time. So then I feel sure, if, if you don't keep telling me, don't keep hugging me, then I start doubting, maybe, maybe they don't love me anymore. They didn't hug me and tell me they love me today. So that means that we get dependent upon on affirmation, confirmation of things. Where, say, in adult world, an adult environment doesn't. We don't need. We don't need people to tell us or demonstrate because we're, we 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 understand love. <coughs> Anyway, we, we love people, we don't, we love ourselves, there's love, so there isn't any need to even talk about it. Not that we have to go around dwelling on the subject all the time, because it's just part of our human, human experience. It doesn't mean that Sometimes we don't feel irritated or can't stand each other, does it? Doesn't mean that sometimes I I can't stand some of you. Doesn't mean I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> and this sense, love is is more is it, is an acceptance and, and uh, a union, a unity, communion. Sometimes emotionally one doesn't feel love. Emotionally, if you're expecting to feel love all the time, emotions go up and down all over the place. If you just go by your emotions, you, one minute you think, I just love that person so much, I just couldn't live another moment without them. There's a, there's a whole purpose of my existence now, the focus, they give meaning to my life, and then they, then they, the next moment a person uh, says, I don't love you anymore, and then they hate them, can't stand them, because emotional attachments can just change like that, snap of a finger, from total love to total hatred, can't they? Emotions are not to be trusted. They can just, they, they lie, they, they're always, they're, if we believe our emotions, we're always just, we're going up and down, all over the place. 
the emotional, moody people are just all over the place, aren't they? You can't trust them. One moment they're, they'll be happy and nice, next moment they'll be spiteful and mean, and you just can't, you don't know what they're going to do. So you, moody, emotional people you just want to avoid because you, you just, it's just so unpleasant to be around somebody who, who dumps their feelings onto you or blames you or always is, is believing what they're feeling is true and real. But we have to recognize our emotions, and it certainly affects affect us, but to know them, to understand that they're not, not to be attached, not to believe in them. So that then we are sensitive rather than emotional. If we're just emotional, then we're indulging in these feelings. It's always the self, I am, that's connected in a proliferation. So conceptual proliferations that come from, from that position, then everything's taken personally. If somebody looks <coughs> full of anger and, and negativity, they sit there and they look mean and, and negative, it's just natural not for none of us want to go near that person. <coughs> Isn't it? Do you like to go near people who are looking mean and angry and negative? Do you want to go up there and sit next to them and be with them? Or would you rather get out of the way? <laughs> I mean, my, per my reactions tend to be more of, when I see somebody looking mean and nasty, to to feel a strong desire to get far away from them. That's just how I feel. So, <clears throat> somebody that looks peaceful and calm, you really like to be around. Isn't it? Calm, composed being is somebody that you, you feel one really enjoys being with. Or happy person, people that are happy kindly, looking uh, benevolent, good, one more, one gravitates to it, a magnetic. You see a happy or <coughs> loving, kind person, they're like a magnet, you just can hardly resist. You like to, you, in fact, you want to be with them all the time. So this is just, this is just the way it is. Anger is repulsive, anger, selfishness, meanness of heart, <coughs> blaming, resentment, all that just is, is repulsive. It's, it's not you, it's not a person, it's just, it's just what repels in nature, just the way it is. If, if you're taking it personally, if you're an angry person that blames people and hates people and gets angry easily, then, and everybody avoids you, you don't take it personally. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
It's just natural. That's just the way things are. We don't, being mindful, being compassionate, we don't have to follow our feelings. I mean, we, we see somebody angry and and uh, negative and that, we don't have to, we, I mean, we can rise up to the occasion, try to be kind and helpful and good to them, but, but the, the, uh, the, the natural reaction to that expression is to want to get away. We can't help it, it's just the, the natural way, but we, out of kindness, maybe we we go toward them and try to uh, be kind or helpful to them. Beautiful appearances that way, and the people that are have beautiful presence, beautiful features. One is attractive, it's just the natural attraction, seeing <coughs> beauty, and one is attracted to it. Somebody uh, is ugly, deformed, that is, tends to be repulsive, so we can just want to get away or not look. But yet we can we can respond to these situations. We recognize that they're just uh, seeing somebody a beautiful face might might have uh, something ugly underneath it. You know, I mean all of us have experience being attracted to some beautiful person and they'll find out that they have a, a rotten temperament. <laughs> I remember when I was in the Navy, I was working in this hospital, and the head nurse was really pretty. So I thought, I'm really lucky to work, get, get on this ward, work for this pretty nurse, really good-looking, sexy, beautiful-looking woman. One afternoon of working with her, I couldn't stand her. <laughs>
when you more and more mindful you are, the more say say just in, in regards to time and place and a conditioned realm and the life we live is say much more one feels more of a devotional qualities I do. Because there's nothing else really. There's nothing more important than that. And one feels a, a, a real sense of love and devotion, gratitude, and and uh, just to look at look at the Buddha Rupa or the shrine or this nature itself. One is content with very little because the heart is is responding in a in a in an open, loving, sensitive way to life. So you don't you don't feel you need all distractions or entertainment or the kind of compulsiveness of practice drops away. Then. Obsession, I've got to sit, I've got to do this, I've got to develop that, I've got to do or study, I've got to <coughs> the kind of compulsive obsessiveness of monastic life and meditation uh, fade out and then there's more a sense of ease and and peacefulness and uh, the and whereas what the what the way things are is enough. We don't feel, don't feel. I have to have something else at this moment. That, that the way, the the place one is living in, the people one is with, the, the way things are, the weather, all of it is is one feels content with it, rather than ignoring it or looking for something else or wanting to be entertained or distracted or absorbed or following the compulsive attitudes of I should be doing this and I should be doing that. <clears throat> so that this is where the, the true openness of the heart, the, the joyful heart and the loving heart are they're, they're perfect in the, in the are perfected because it's in the moment, the here and now. The simplicity of life in the being among them, and it's, it's quite simple. And, and uh, because of its restraint and its limitation, it, it means that you, 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 if you train yourself properly with discipline and, and the restraining discipline of Vinaya, then that in the long run, that really is a, is a wonderful thing to, to be able to really appreciate that. That, you, that you've, you've lived under a restraining discipline. So that you're, you just they feel very much at ease and content with very simple things. What is allowable? What is, what is within the limits of monastic form? It's, it's perfect. It's just right. It's just enough. You don't feel you need anything more than that. So it's not like asceticism where you're trying to deny yourself all the things you want and, and just having a having an endless war with the world and yourself and your desires. But as you develop the path and just the what is allowed within the form and restraint of linear is plenty for for any of us. One is content with that, one feels at ease.
and grateful for it, for just the simple things that come to us in monastic life. It's the robes we have. He's looking at this very nice robe, Venerable Sevilla maybe. Very contentment. With this jacket that Venerable Gambiro made me five years ago. Nobody's been able to make such a nice jacket ever since. <laughs> Perfect jacket. Let's talk. I'm being warm.
So I, I moved over there, and um, and this then they, they had a, a kind of frosted pane in the window of the door, so it couldn't wasn't transparent glass, and then this little window, and so it's kind of grotty little room. So then, just uh, and. And of course, people kind of bought in a carpet and chested drawers and things like that. <coughs> and then eventually, what, two years ago, when I was super strong, the Pasini got made into another kind of Tanjakun suite. <laughs> <coughs> but the, uh, the, um, looking out the window, and you don't have the view. You can look out over at the meditation room, the roof, and the, and the meditation room across the way, and then, then above the roof is, is the sky, and if you, uh, you can see the silhouette of trees uh, from there sometimes, and well, then you, but then they say the, just being content with that view rather than wishing it were otherwise. One is one is looking at the way it is rather than comparing it with a view that you had before while you're having a better view, more attractive view to look at. Because once you're content with, with what you have, then what you have is, is, is enough for you. You don't it's not you're not rousing uh, any uh, aversion. So just the the kind of indifferent trees that, that are out just outside my door, uh, those kind of uh, shrubs, they don't seem to have much character at all. <laughs> They're not like magnolia trees or uh, fantastically exotic or, or outstandingly beautiful, but they're they're beautiful enough. They're interesting enough. So this is a way of 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 that you notice things that you would say the those those uh, bushes outside my door were were completely overlooked before. You, they're not the kind of. I mean, none of you know really what they look like. Do you? And how many times you walk past them and never seen them because they. They have no quality that kind of say, hey, look at me, aren't I a beautiful specimen? They just rather, they don't have any quality that, that just mesmerize your vision, stop you in your tracks, so you just tend to walk by. But if you're really looking at them with an empty mind, then, then, you, then you can perceive beauty in them as they are, that you would have overlooked if, if you been offered a more exotic, more kind of fantastic situation and view to look at. So sometimes in, in you know, in, when in, in sensory deprivation or in, in restraint and all that, then we begin to notice little things. If, if, you're, if your life is just filled with, with excitement and absolutely fantastic experiences, 
uh, and incredible beauty and the, the, the most extreme forms of pleasure, then the ordinary beauties and the subtleties of existence, sometimes we don't even notice because our, we're, we're stimulated by the more extreme things only. It's in restraint, isn't it, that you, like in meditate, like a retreat over the winter's retreat, more and more aware of the subtleties of your mind, feeling and that. And you wouldn't, you would never be aware of that if you, if you had two months of just incredible, exciting entertainment, fun-loving, pleasure-seeking. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, uh, you, you would become just bored, wouldn't you? If had to sit still for five minutes if you were used to being stimulated continuously. So that's why the whole the more mindful you are, and 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 see that the Dhamma, know the Dhamma, take refuge in Dhamma, then. One is uh, one really is sensitive and loving and real life as it is. So sometimes in one panics in this life, where you think, you know, some of you were saying, 27 now, I have to do this the rest of my life, be a monk, a nun. Oh, God. The same thing, getting out at 4 o'clock in the morning for the rest of my life. Come back, morning, child. The rest of my life. Be celibate for the rest of my life. One meal a day, rest of my life. And if you're thinking on that level, then, then it, you know it, it is pretty bleak to think about having to eat this porridge the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> Depressing thought. But if you if you uh, 
you know, but it's not like that, is it? Nothing is like that. I mean, the rest of your life is is merely a perception of the mind in the moment. And I'm 27, and and I will will I have to do this the rest of my life? Is it is a perception of mind in the present moment because life is like this. Admittedly, getting up at four in the morning or the morning gruel or the one meal a day of celibacy, these are, if you're content with little and at ease and happy <coughs> and loving and peaceful, then this, these, are, these, are, these are perfect. These are just good enough for us for the rest of our lives. We don't, there's nothing uh, uh, wrong with it. There's nothing that we think we have to have more or something better or something new or different. Because then more the more mind the more you're aware of the subtlety of this existence. And there's enough in any in any moment that is truly uh, that one can truly appreciate and and, and respond to. Within the very within the restraint of uh, monastic discipline. When I read about Chogyam Trungpa, you know, this uh, disrobed Tibetan Lama, alcoholic, used to do the most fantastic things: drink a bottle of Johnny Walker a day or something, and and have incredible all kinds of. Um, sexual affairs with uh, men and women, and and uh, that are just an incredibly fantastic life. Of, <laughs> you know, most bizarre excitement, and uh, and went to America and and had and established the most colorful, dramatic kind of uh, order of Buddhist in Colorado and in Newfoundland or Nova Scotia died at 47 from cirrhosis of the nerves. <laughs> 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 was someone that didn't have didn't, didn't have monastic restraint but had was able to just experiment and do the most outrageous and most extreme kinds of of uh, exciting uh, experiences, but my my reaction to that was, I'm glad I don't have to do that. I don't feel that I have to drink a quart of Johnny Walker a day. I'm really glad I don't have to do that. It's horrible. Wouldn't it be horrible if, if all of us had to? Do that? <laughs> 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 so it's those are I mean one one feels grateful that the, the to to somebody that's really a swinger, maybe this life looks a bit drear and and uh, uninteresting and boring, but 
as a, as, as a way of mindfulness, it, it, it has its own quality and beauty, that, but it's subtle. Monasticism is a subtle form. It's not an exciting form, it's not fantastic, not, it, it's not an extreme thing. Also, when I, if I, like the other morning, talking about the Mahasi uh, Sayadaw method, well, that, don't, one thing with, with uh, mentioning any, criticizing anything, is that sometimes people assume that I just think it's all wrong. That's, I was trying not to sound like that. It's just merely reflections on that on the things that, that, uh, that I, you know, not that I, I see anything really wrong with it at all. Just, just sometimes one, one reflects on it or criticizes it, doesn't mean one sees the whole thing or, or, or is putting it down in any way other than mentioning or questioning something. One time I got this horrible letter from some Tibetan Lama at the Rigpa Center in London accusing me of horrible things because I happen to mention somebody time questioned something about Tibetan Buddhism mm. and uh, and the and the person and these people went out and told this Lama that I was putting down Tibetan Buddhism which I'm sure I didn't do I'm I'm quite interested in Tibetan Buddhism but maybe I did question the value of visualizations for Westerners or something like that. And it's not. If I question things like that, it's not. Like I'm saying the whole thing is, is bad or not as good as others. Just, just the way, just the limitation of thought. And, uh, and therefore, you know, it's really important not to, to not make assumptions just because one might, uh, might have questions or doubts about a certain system or method or school doesn't mean that one is regarding it as, as, as ultimately wrong or inferior. So I have to be quite careful with people who really, really don't make assumptions.
Ayatollah Khomeini, uh, his uh, pronouncement of uh, killing, whoever kills the Salman Rushdie who goes back to heaven, that's one recognizes it was, was one going to blame all of Islam for one one uh, kind of fanatic, fanatical being. So we, so is it, but it's easy for us as Buddhists to say, well that's Islam, fanatic and warlike. But uh, is that really just, uh, just one rather extreme Muslim's reaction. I hope I told the Khomeini is not the ordinary average Muslim. outrageous things in my political maybe. So that this this is uh that that is is that Christianity. Can we just say lump it all under Christianity? This is where our generalization is to be really just to be careful not to condemn everything just because of uh, of what uh, of a few things wrong or a few outspoken fanatics or misrepresentation. Because then we're we're really going along in the same boat, I don't know, if we we just condemn something over the hearsay or the misbehavior of of uh, of someone and then and then blame the whole lot for condemn the whole lot for the this behavior of a few. This is what, what prejudice is, racial, religious prejudice. The thing that with, with being, uh, in, you know, we can, one can get very smug within one's own group, and, and that I find quite repulsive uh, quality in human beings. It's just the kind of we're the best, we're all right, and everyone else is somehow not as good. Uh, and so this, this also is something I really uh, don't want to encourage in this community. Is a the kind of inverted smugness and uh, self-congratulation and uh, thinking that we're somehow better or step above everyone else or making or as making that assumption or implying it that is as for Dhamma this is the way it is it's not, it's, 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 
there's shortcomings or inadequacies here, then then they're to be admitted and to be uh, to to be reflected on, not to be defended or ignored. I'm not trying to say this is absolutely perfect, it's beyond question, everything we do is exactly right, and it's better than what anyone else does. Don't you dare look at anything else because we've got the best. And if you question it in any way, then you're, you're not being loyal uh, to, to the group and so forth. And then you become an exclusive cult, which is certainly not the way out of suffering, is it? It's another blindness. So sometimes you think some of this form is pretty clumsy, admittedly, or or ludicrous. Sometimes it just doesn't fit, does it? Sometimes it, uh, it you know, one one can feel quite embarrassed by it. It's just, we all do in moments. So that's just the way it is. It's, it's not, it's not, uh, not trying to say that everything we do is, is the best. But this is, this is the form we have, this is what we use, this is what we reflect on. So if we use it properly, then, then, it, then we, we do find the way out, we do see the way out of suffering. And if we're trying to get the form into just super duper kind of impeccability that is just suits everyone here, it's, it's just perfect for everything, uh, then we're, we're going to have to spend a lot of time uh, trying to, to, uh, to the, give a lot of attention to the form and make a lot of changes and and have a lot of committee meetings and discussions and, and experiments with form and never get around to the real practice because the form becomes too important or too too much the focus. Uh, but my uh, my own appreciation of the form wasn't it? I found what uphold in that way of doing things just suiting me to a T and was just the, what I thought was better than anything else, but uh, it was it was the form that I used for my practice. So it's the the shape, the conditions that I reflected on, how well I could see all my desires and fears and so forth. The things that are really, what really impressed me when I went to Watford Hall was, was the, uh, was it what? It was a really good monastery, where the monastery I was at before in Nongkai was, didn't, you know, monks were, would listen to, before television, <coughs> would listen to the radios, and it didn't seem to be, it was not an inspiring monastery, at least to, uh, to me, so, 
it, it, you know, I have much more kind of expectations for a behavior of, of bhikkhus, and and, uh, and that monastery didn't really, uh, was quite disillusioning in that <laughs> Uh, when I went to Wapapo, I, I was very impressed by the discipline, the, the community life, the, and of course by Lumpochar um, itself. It was my kind of, what I, what I thought was beautiful monasticism was very much what I, what I uh, found in, in Wapapo. living there, then once the kind of initial inspiration, one became aware of many of the other the signs that, that would get to be quite irritating or frustrating or when critical faculties would start operating, once they, they inspired euphoria left even in a good monastery like that, there were plenty of things you could that irritate you and you could fall at least I could <coughs> But then the practice was like this. Rinpoche was very good at, at getting us to look in our minds rather than becoming obsessed with the things wrong with the world. <laughs> 